Good morning. You don't have to speak up for everybody who's not here this morning, so I can hear you. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. If you would be opening your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 13 through 34 as we continue walking through the Gospel of Luke, talking about what it looks like to be a disciple, what it looks like to be a Christian. Uh, this passage of Scripture, just to be real honest with you, I did not want to preach. In fact, I tried skipping over it. Um, I felt like I needed to preach it last week, and I skipped it because I didn't want to deal with this passage. This is one of those passages of scriptures, and I'm just being honest. I guess pastors may shouldn't say that, but sometimes there's places in the Bible where you're just like, man, this is tough. This is hard stuff. This passage of scripture deals with maybe the, the key issue in our lives, how we relate to money. I mean, the most awkward thing for us to talk about is money. Why is that? Because the way we relate to money tells everything else about us. I, in fact, when I got here and we were so low in the numbers, I was like, somebody told that I was talking on money this morning. I can tell. I didn't tell anybody. Like, Crystal, did you say anything? No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, but, but I, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's awkward for us, isn't it? It's like, oh, man, the preacher's preaching on money. Don't talk about that stuff in church. Unfortunately, if you're going to preach through the Bible, and especially through one of the Gospels, Jesus talks about money more than he talks about just about anything else. And so when we come to Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, we read these words. And so Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Let's, let's pray again this morning and ask God to help us. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we walk through this passage of Scripture. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to hear from you. God, I pray for you to help us to set aside our, our defenses, our, uh, the, the walls we put up between you and our hearts, between you and our possessions. Lord, I, I pray that you would break through those things, Lord, and that we would truly hear from you. God, that you would, would speak to our hearts, Lord, and that we would, we would hear what you want us to hear and that you would give us the grace we need to do what you've called us to do. I, I pray that you would help me to, to be faithful to your word, to be clear in my presentation of it. And Lord, that we would, we would truly hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me and fill this place that we would be able to respond to you in a way that honors you and pleases you and changes our lives. Help us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, so we have verse 13. Someone in the crowd says to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This is a, a random question. The reason why I say it's a random question is Jesus is speaking, he's preaching, and as he's speaking to this large crowd that's gathered around, like he's talking about these really important topics. He's going through and he's talking about heaven and hell and he's saying, guys, don't get caught up in rules. Focus on your relationship with God. And, and then he begins to talk about how you know, some people uh, commit the, the ultimate crime, the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you know, not trusting on Jesus. Uh, and he says, that whoever does that, there's nothing else for them. Like, he's really telling these people, this is how you go to heaven. This is how you follow God. And as he's speaking, this guy speaks up and he says, hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Like, in the middle of Jesus speaking about some of the most, well, the most important uh, uh, part of your life, eternity, this guy, he has a chance to speak to Jesus, and he wants to talk to him about money. Like, like his money's on his mind, his mind's on his money, that type of thing. Like, he's focused on his money. Like, that's what he's thinking about. 
as Jesus is speaking some of the, about some of the most important things, the most important thing in this man's life, the most important thing in this man's eternity, he says, hey, I got an issue with money. My brother won't divide the inheritance with me. Now to... To put it in context, apparently in Jesus' day, when someone left an inheritance, those who were left to divide it up sometimes fought. I know we don't have that issue anymore. That, that issue's long gone, right? We have no idea what this is like to deal with conflict over money. It's amazing how after 2,000 years, we kind of have the same discussions, don't we? Well, so this guy says, hey, tell my brother to give me part of the inheritance, to share with me, which, I mean, it makes sense. Tell him to share with me. And so Jesus' response pushes back on this guy and shows his heart. It reveals his heart. Like, like I don't, as you read this, this guy is not a bad guy. He's not an evil guy. He's not trying to get over on his brother. He's simply saying, hey, tell my brother to be fair with me. Tell my brother to share with me. Tell my brother to help me out. That's what he's asking Jesus to do. But when Jesus responds in verse 14, we see what's wrong. Uh, well, later after verse 14 as well. But verse 14, he says, But he said to him, Man who made me a judge or arbiter over you. And so Jesus' first response is, This isn't my job. Like My job's not to divide out your inheritance. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. This is not my job. You're coming to the wrong person. You're barking up the wrong tree, buddy. Like I'm in the middle of talking about heaven and hell, and you're talking about money. And so he says... This is not my job. You're looking at the wrong guy. But then verse 15, Jesus gives him a warning. And this tells you where this man's heart is. And he said to them, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness or all greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions and so there's a couple of different words here this take care is be on guard watch out be careful and so this first phrase here you get in your picture in your mind of the fact that you're guarding against something that's trying to sneak in like jesus is saying watch your heart be careful because greed is not passive it's trying to get into your heart like, it's like the, the cat that's the outside cat but thinks it's an inside cat and every time you open the door you got to kick it or well, you know. I wouldn't kick a cat, I'm sorry, but maybe I would. But we won't talk, we'll talk about that later. But, but, you know, every time you open the door, that cat tries to dart in, right? So you have to watch it. You have to make sure it's not close to the door when you open the door. Jesus says when it comes to greed, you have to watch your heart. You have to be careful because soon as you open the door, soon as you're not watching, it's going to sneak in, it's going to slip in, and it's going to be a part of your life. But he also says, be on guard. This is a military term, like build a tower, build a watchtower, build some, some defenses to protect yourself against this approaching army. And so he compares greed to something that's attacking you. And he says, you have to guard yourself. You have to build up some defenses around your heart to protect yourself from greed getting in and taking over. It's important that you watch and that you guard. Like... Now, I mean, it's easy for us to understand this, I think, because we understand when something's coming, we protect ourselves, right? Like when, when Josiah does something he's not supposed to do, as he's walking off, he does this. You know why he does that? Because he knows what's coming. He knows there's co something coming after him. He's like, oh no, Dad, don't spank me, right? He's guarding himself. If we're not careful, greed will sneak in, and it'll become part of our life before we even know it. 
Guys, the easiest thing to do in the world is be greedy. Like, when's the last time you had to teach a kid the word mine? They learn that pretty easy, don't they? You have to teach them to share. You have to to teach them to share with others. Why is that? Because our natural inclination is to gather things to ourselves. It's to take care of me and mine first and then worry about everybody else after that. That's our natural response. We do not drift towards generosity. We slip into greed. We accidentally become greedy. It's easy. It's easy to become focused on ourselves. It's easy to become focused on who we are and what we need and completely forget about everyone else. And so Jesus says, be careful. Guard against greed. Guard against this this dangerous aspect of your life, this dangerous thing that's in your life. Because if you don't, it will get you. And he goes on and he says, for your life does not consist in the abundance of things. Your life is about more than the stuff you got. Your life is not defined, it is not given value by how much money you have in the bank account. That is not ultimately the measure of your life. That is not what your life is about. Your life is about your relationship to God. Remember, this guy's distracted from heaven and hell because he's focused on stuff. He's focused on money. He's focused on his physical needs. And so Jesus, uh, the greatest teacher ever, is there telling him how he can go to heaven, and he's worried about money. Why? Because greed is sneaky, and it will distract you from your relationship with God. It will distract you from what God has called you to do, and you will find yourself in trouble. And so Jesus says, here's what I mean. Here, let me explain to you what this looks like. Let me explain to you how dangerous greed is. In verse 16, he tells a parable. This parable we we call the parable of the rich fool. The reason we call that is because he's a rich guy who God calls a fool. And so if God calls him a fool, we can call him a fool, right? And so the rich fool, verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And then verse 17, And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And so this guy, he has a problem. He's too rich. What a terrible problem to have, right? Like he looks around and he's like, Man, I have too much stuff. Like my land has produced too much I don't know what to do with all my stuff. He's at a crossroads in his life. He's worked hard. He's done well. God has blessed him. God has given him this enormous blessing of this great crop that his land produced. And so he has a decision to make. How do I take care of all the things God has blessed me with? So we come to verse 18 and we see what he decides to do. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. And build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. So, so to bring this in modern culture, apparently in Jesus' day, sometimes people had more stuff than they had need for, and they had to go find storage buildings. I know we don't have that issue today, right? That's not a problem for us. Or is it? I I don't know. Only like 90% of storage buildings are in America, but we won't get into that. But but no, this is still an issue, right? We have more stuff than we need, and we don't know what to do with all of it. This is this guy's problem. And so his response to having all of his stuff is, and too much stuff is, how can I get the most 
out of it for me? How can I take care of myself? I've done well. God has blessed me. I'm going to do whatever I want with what I have. I'm going to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to chill out. I'm going to hang out. You notice in verse 19 he says, and, uh, and I will say to my soul, soul? Like if you start talking to your own soul, you probably have an issue. Like when you start talking to yourself in third person, like John, John, you're doing well. John, just take care of yourself. John, start having self-talk like that. I mean, that's probably a problem in your life. But this guy, he says, I tell you what I'm going to do with all my stuff. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of mine. I'm not going to worry about nobody else. Verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? What a terrible, terrible thing to hear. This guy has planned out the rest of his life. He's going to hang out. He's going to do whatever he wants. He's going to have a good time. And God says, you're a fool. You've wasted your life. You've wasted the blessings I've given you. All these plans you have, all this stuff you have, all these plans you have for all this stuff, you're going to die tonight, and you and your stuff are going to be separated. And whose will they be? Tomorrow somebody else is going to be living in your house. Somebody else is going to be spending your money, driving your car, wearing your clothes. You have all of this stuff, and you're still going to be dead. Verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This man's problem, what he did wrong, was not that he had a lot of stuff. It was not that he had a lot of money. It was not that he was rich. Jesus makes it clear here, the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's okay to have money. It's okay to have stuff. It's not okay to have money and stuff and not be rich toward God. It's not okay to say, this is my stuff, and I'm going to do with it what I want, because it's not yours. It's God's. He gave it to you. He expects you to ask him what to do with it. And see, that's where this man missed it. This is why God calls him a fool. Because he really believed he was the center of the universe and he could do whatever he wanted with what he had. And he did. But the end of his life is that he is empty and he has nothing. What's he going to do with all this stuff once he's dead? You've heard the old saying, there's no U-Haul behind a hearse, right? You've never seen a U-Haul being pulled behind a hearse. Why is that? Guys, we can't take anything with us out of this world. It doesn't matter how much stuff we have. When we die, us and our stuff are separated. It's gone. It doesn't mean anything anymore. That's hard to hear. And I'll tell you why it's hard to hear. Because we put so much stock, we put so much investment, we put so much love into our money, into our possessions. Jesus is not saying God is going to kill rich people. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying it's not okay to take your stuff and use it just on you. It's not okay to not include God in your plans. It's not okay to not have him as this primary priority in your life. Now, now hear me out. I told you, I, I've tried skipping this passage, and there's a reason for it. I really believe, since coming here, I, I've met more generous people in this church than I ever have in any church. 
I can say that 100% straight face. As I look around this morning, there are so many generous people in this church. I, I don't like preaching sermons like this because I always feel like the, the folks who are generous, the folks who give are always going to be like, oh, I need to give more. I'm not doing enough. The preacher's talking about me. And then the folks who aren't generous are always like, he ain't talking about me. I'm doing good, right? But, but we have to understand that God expects us to put him first in all things before even our money. And so he says, plan your life around God's kingdom, not around your own. Put him first. And when you do this, let's go on, because when you do this, we end up being free of fear. Look at verse 22. And this is where Jesus begins to apply this attitude and begins to apply this heart uh, mindset. Verse 22, and he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you. Now, when Jesus says therefore, he means in light of what I just said. So in light of the fact that we're not to be greedy and we're not to be focused on stuff but be rich toward God, let me tell you. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, Jesus immediately goes from don't be greedy to don't be afraid about your stuff because when we are focused on our stuff, we become greedy because it's easy to lose our stuff. And so we become worried we're going to lose our stuff. I mean, it's amazing when you look at this. He begins with don't worry about what you eat and what you wear. Why is that? Because when we get up in the morning, depending on what type of person you are, you're probably thinking what's for breakfast or you're thinking what should I wear, right? I mean, you've got one of those two things on your mind when you get up, right? Right. Maybe, maybe not, but that's usually one of those two things is on my mind. I don't have anything to wear, or more likely, man, I hope the kids didn't eat the last chocolate Pop-Tart, right? I mean, we, we wake up and we are worried about what we're going to eat and how we're going to dress. Why is that? Because we don't want to be naked, and we don't want to be hungry. At least, hopefully, we don't want to be naked. But, but Jesus says, if your eyes are on the truth, and your eyes are on the gospel, and your eyes are on Christ, on Him, and on God's kingdom... You don't have anything to worry about. Quit focusing so much on your stuff. Quit focusing so much on food and on your clothes. Focus on Christ. Your body, your life is more than what you eat and more than what you wear. Look at verse 24. He says, consider the ravens. Now, ravens uh, are unclean animals. They're they're not animals. They, They are not pretty birds, right? He doesn't say, consider the blue jays. He says, consider the ravens. They're the animals nobody likes. I mean, how many of y'all are a big fan of crows? They're not fun, are they? They're ugly. They eat your crops. They're just not cool. Well, I guess they probably they have a place, and I understand that, but we don't like them, right? Got, but Jesus says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. These ugly birds that nobody likes, they don't sow, they don't reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds. And so he uses these ravens to make the point, if God takes care of these birds, these slackers without a job, how much more is he going to take care of you? Are you not more valuable than these birds? Now he's not saying don't, don't worry about working or none of that. We'll get to that here in a second. But he is saying, if God can take care of them, he can sure take care of you. They ain't even got no job. Like they ain't even got a place to, to live, but God takes care of them. Verse 25, he, he continues to expound on this. And which of you, by being anxious, by worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, 
Why are you anxious about the rest? And so he says, think about it, guys. How many of you, if you worry all day, every day, can add an hour to your life? Like, how many of you can add a single second to your life by saying, I hope I don't die today? How much good does that do? None, right? In fact, if you worry too much, what happens? The opposite happens. You get stressed out and you cause all kinds of problems for your life. And so Jesus is saying, if you can't add anything to your life by how much you worry... If you can't add any seconds to your life, then why are you worrying about your food? Why are you worrying about all these other things? Well, that doesn't make sense unless you understand this. When we're talking about money and possessions and things like that, how hard are they to hold on to? They're impossible nearly, aren't they? We're, we're going to get to that here in a second. But, but, but think about how much fear we have in our lives because we do, simply do not trust God to take care of us. We simply do not trust God to provide for us. And so Jesus says... Why are you worrying? It's not doing you any good. You're not going to make it anywhere simply by worrying. Just, just enjoy life. Enjoy uh, every day living for the Lord. Enjoy every day living for His glory. Relax. Don't be afraid all the time. As believers, we should be the least fearful people in the world. The worst thing that could happen to us is that we die and go to heaven. That's the worst thing. We should not be walking around afraid. Guys, we have it made. And, and we'll look at verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow sown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And so Jesus says, look at the flowers in the field. They don't make their own clothes, but God takes care of them. He said Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these, wasn't dressed like one of these. Solomon is the richest king in Israel's history. He had everything. So, I mean, he had the clothes that he wanted to wear, right? I mean, he could pick anything he wanted to wear and wear it. He could afford it. He had more money than he knew what to do with. Like during his day, it said that silver became worthless because he had so much money. Israel was so rich. And Jesus says the lilies have it better even than Solomon. And he says, if God takes care of the grass, which is alive today and tomorrow sown into the oven, apparently they had kale chips in Jesus' day too, I don't know, but, but he says, how much more will he clothe you, oh, you of little faith? Like, why are you worried about going naked? God's got you. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. Don't worry about it. He will take care of you. And, and he, he continues on. Verse 29, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Think Jesus is concerned about his worrying? I think maybe. Look at verse 30, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. So Jesus draws a line here. He, he draws a line and he, he makes a separation. He makes a separation between those who trust God and those who don't. He says, don't go after uh, worrying about the things of this world. He says, you know who does that? People who don't have God as their father. People who are trusting in idols. People who are worshiping at the foot of idols. The pagans, that's what they do. Why? Because they don't trust their gods to take care of them. They don't believe that their gods are going to provide for them. Why? Because they won't. They're false gods. Jesus says that's what the whole world does. It seeks after the things of this world. 
That's not for you. You're my people. Your Father knows what you need. You trust Him. Don't be like them. Do you realize that when you seek after the things of this world and you make the things of this world most important in your life, you don't look like a believer. You don't look like a follower of Jesus. You look like somebody who doesn't have God as your Father. You're acting like someone who does not believe in Him. Jesus says that's what all the people who don't believe in God do. That's all the people who don't trust in God. They're the ones who are seeking these things. They're the ones who are focused on these things. And so Jesus draws this line here and he says, that's not who you are. Your father knows that you have need of these. Your dad is going to take care of you. You just trust him. Look at verse 31. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Instead of seeking the things of this world, you seek God's kingdom. Instead of seeking your own pleasure, you seek what He wants you to do. Instead of thinking of yourself first, you think of Him first. You look at your life and you figure out how you can best serve God with what He has given you, not how you can best serve yourself. And when you do that, you release yourself from fear. And so these things won't cause you so much fear. Verse 32, and this is, I mean, I just love this verse. It says, fear not, Little flock, Jesus is speaking to us as, as a sheep. He's like, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hear what Jesus is saying. He's saying, give up on fear. Stop walking around in fear. Your daddy's going to take care of you. It's his good pleasure. It's his desire. It's going to put a smile on his face to give you the kingdom. Not just food and drink, not just clothing, not just a place to live, but the kingdom. What does God own, guys? He owns everything. He owns the entire universe. All of the riches in the world belong to Him. And Jesus says it's His good pleasure to give it to us. So what are we worried about? He has everything we need. We simply are called to trust Him. Fear not, little flock. Your daddy loves to give you what you need. He's going to give you the kingdom. If we can understand this, if we can comprehend this, then the rest of it becomes easy. See, the problem is, is the degree to which we trust God with our life, the degree to which we trust God's wisdom, His love, His ability to take care of us, is going to decide how much fear we have and how much we lean into possessions, how, much, how tightly we hold on to our stuff and our money. Until we understand that God is going to take care of us and provide for us, we're going to walk around afraid all the time that everything we love and everything we trust in is going to be ripped out of our hands. Because we are bound to those things that we love and we're bound to those things we believe we absolutely have to have. And so Jesus says, fear not. Your Father's going to give you the kingdom. Look at verse 33. We're getting close uh, here to the end of our passages. But sell, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, if you trust God, then it's not scary for him to say, next, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old and with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus says, wake up and realize that the stuff in this world, if you put your stock in it and you invest in it, you're investing in nothing. Like it's, I mean, it's the, the worst Ponzi scheme in all of eternity. Like the stuff of this world looks really good and in the moment it looks like, hey, it's going to give you this great return on your investment. And then you get to the end of your life and you realize all the stuff you put all your hopes and dreams in has been taken from you. 
Jesus says, put your heart, put your treasure where no one can take it from you. Put it in heaven. Put it where no one can, uh, and I love, and no moth destroys. Hang up your clothes in the closet where there's no moths. Crystal told Zoe that moths eat our clothes. And so there was a little while there that every time we saw a moth, we had a meltdown. I think she was afraid they were going to eat them literally off of her back and she's going to be standing there naked. She's like, Dad, there's a moth, there's a moth that's going to eat my clothes. But, but as I thought about this passage, I thought, that's kind of how we are, isn't it? Like we're afraid that we're going to be found without the stuff we feel like we absolutely have to have. And Jesus says, don't worry about those things. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. Instead of focusing on that, instead of investing in those things, Focus in eternity. Focus in the kingdom of God. Invest in the kingdom of God. Guys, the truth is, is that where we believe it's worth investing is where we're going to put our money. And so the question as we read this passage, Jesus says instead of investing in the here and now, that's uh, temporary and that's going to be gone one day, invest in eternity. Put your money where your heart is. You want to know what you really believe and think about God this morning? Look at your bank account. So that's why it's so awkward. Because we all know what we spend our money on. We all know if we spend it mostly on us or mostly on God. We all know if we mostly take care of ourselves or try to take care of others. We all know when we get extra who we spend it on and who we use it for. And Jesus says, you want to know what you truly love and what you truly treasure? Follow the money trail. And find out where you're putting your heart, where you're putting your treasure, what you're investing in. Are you investing in the kingdom of God and the things that he loves? Are you investing in the kingdom of me and the things I love? Not me and I, right? I mean, you and your life. Are you saying to your soul, soul, kick back and relax. You've got it made. Don't worry about anybody else. You just take care of you. They're not your problem. They're not your responsibility. Don't worry about all those people in your life. They don't... If they needed help, God will take care of them. God is giving you your stuff for you. Tell that to the rich fool who thought it was all about him and God reminded him that it's not all about him, that it's actually about God. And he said, tonight your life will be required of you. His mistake was not being rich. His mistake was thinking that he could do whatever he wanted with what God had given him. God has given you what he's given you for his glory and for you to use for his purposes, not your own. When's the last time you asked him what, you, what he wants you to do with what you have? When's the last time you started with him when you were planning your weekly expense report for what you're going to spend your money on and not spend your money on? When's the last time you did that? I said, God, what would you have me to do with what you've given me? Instead of saying, here's what I'm going to do. And so guard your heart this morning. Put up some protections in front of you. And let me give you just a few things and we'll finish up. So to guard our hearts means to protect ourselves, to watch out, right? Well, one of the worst things we can do is believe that we're accidentally going to be generous instead of greedy. And so we protect ourselves, we guard ourselves by not hanging out with folks who are greedy, did you know that bad company corrupts good morals? That's what Paul tells us in First Corinthians. Like if you're always spending time with, with snobby people, guess what you're going to be most likely? Like make sure that you don't 
And, and, and I mean, maybe you need to turn off Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, and get out of your head, get out of thinking that these people, they want you to think your li- their life is that way, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm super jealous now, and I want that, and all that. Maybe the best thing to do is turn that stuff off. Check your heart. Ask yourself, you know, where am I being tempted? Where am I struggling? And then spend some time with folks who are struggling. Spend some time with folks who are working. To to qualify this, I need to say that this passage, Jesus is not saying go out and give your money to folks who don't want to work. That's not what he's saying. He's saying help the poor, not the lazy. I think I've made that clear before. Paul said any man wants to eat, let him work. So, So you need to understand that. There's a balance here. There's a qualifier here. But he does say let him who stole still no longer instead let him work so he can share with others. Our purpose of work it's not money. The purpose that for our work and for our job is so we can help others. Change the focus, change the purpose in your heart, in your life, for everything you do so that you ask yourself, how can I better serve the Lord through what I'm about to do? Instead of how can I better serve myself? And guys, your hands will begin to loosen. You'll be let, hold on to your stuff with less and less tight hands. And you'll say, you know what, I, I don't have near as much fear as I used to have. I'm going to a place where the streets are paved with gold. What do I need all this stuff for? If it's all gone tomorrow, no big deal. Ask the Lord, God, where am I treasuring up the stuff of this world instead of treasuring you? With that being said, circle back to this place where Jesus says, your Father, it's His good pleasure to give you His kingdom. Focus on eternity. Focus on what God has promised you. And then compare it to the trinkets that you're trying to replace His treasures with. Focus on what God has promised you and realize that what He has promised you is so much more valuable, so much better than anything this world has to offer. Guard your hearts, guys. Watch out. And and then finally, don't despair. Don't despair. Jesus died for people who are greedy, like me, like you maybe. I don't know. I won't call you greedy to your face. But you know, as you consider your heart, and you look in your heart, you know there's areas where you could serve the Lord and you're not. Don't despair. Don't be like, well, God hates me. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Jesus knew how you were going to act before he came. Jesus knew how you were going to act before he went to the cross. Jesus knew how you were going to act before he saved you, before you asked him to forgive you, and he actually forgave you of every sin you'd ever committed and every sin you will commit. He loves you because of his sacrifice, not because of how much money you give or don't give. So don't despair. Realize that God is working in you, that it's a process of sanctification. It's a process of growing in your faith in him and that it's a day-to-day struggle to ask him, Lord, how can I best use my time, my money, my talents for you instead of just for me? Ask him to forgive you. Look in your heart and say, man, where, God, where do I need to turn these things over to you? Ask him for grace and guess what he'll give you? He'll give you grace. And if you've never asked him for grace, you've never asked him to forgive you, what you need to do this morning is exactly what I, what I just said. Ask him for mercy. Ask him forgiveness. Lord, I, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've disobeyed you. I know I've done things I'm not supposed to do. Give me forgiveness. Give me grace. Save me. Come and make me new. And guess what he'll give you? Mercy and grace for all eternity. If you would, stand with us. And as you stand, we're going to sing. Uh, before we sing, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your mercy and your grace this morning.